warning you kooky cows over there. Buckle yourself into your spaceships, because we're going to blast off into outer space. Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast, where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I'm Chad Michaelinis. That's Holden DePardo. Hello. And you're you, the listener, the little reader of our novel that is life eternal. (laughs) And that's why we love you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Life eternal just sounded like such like a like when I go to church as a kid. Well, I should say when I was forced to go to church as a kid. I just feel like they'd <gasps> say that a lot. And the life eternal. You found the, the force body of at church. I found the force, and also with you. We like got. I, got... The... Oh, I was going to say something really bad. Never mind. Okay, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's not be more offensive than we can be today. Um, his last week was pretty bad. <laughs> what did we say last week? I, we shouldn't repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm going to have to go back and listen to last week's episode. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. So much. We've got so many news story titles in here that I'm scrolling through. It might not be as long as your normal one, but we're going to cover them twice as fast. That's why. We've got we've got that old kooky Joe Biden <laughs> rearing his head in our industry. We've got that old kooky Crash Bandicoot <laughs> rearing his head. <laughs> We got that old kooky crunch coming back around here, too. Is it Captain Crunch? Is it Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Is it Raisin Bran Crunch? Nope. It's the bad kind. But first, we're going to start. Just... <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, the meeting. Like, guys, we got to announce that we're going to have to crunch in the studio. Like, crunchitize me, Captain. I'm sure is what <laughs> no one says in response to that. <laughs> But we're going to start thing. with talking about every type of Dark Souls-esque game that's ever existed and why Holden played all of them this week. <laughs> Holden, take us off with playtime. So, all right, a few things to say here. This is all going to tie in. But last mm-hmm. week, Matt Vera asked, what is our gaming New Year's resolutions? And I, at the time, No, said, that was Mr. like nine years ago. Two. Was it two weeks ago? It was okay, like three it, weeks ago. Okay, he said it recently. <laughs> in the, in the not-so-distant past, said it, and... I'm still going to do Majora's Mask. It's absolutely still on the list. But I was like, why not what? I fucking loved Sekiro last year. And the only reason I didn't have it in my top three game of the year is because I didn't beat it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to beat that game this year. Yes, That's you are. That's what's going to happen. <clears throat> I love it. So I was playing Sekiro this week. I was always stuck on the Owl boss, which is kind of like one of their like, kind of like uh, bosses that are almost three like... Three licks. He breaks right through your head. What? Three licks and he bites right through your head. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not, not that not that owl. <laughs> oh, okay. Mr. Owl. That took me a second. Anyway, there are bosses that are kind of meant to be like, you have to, it's the only boss you can face right now. You have to beat this boss before it opens up again. It's like, you know, um, a test of your skills, essentially. That's what I was looking for. And I was just stuck at him. That's why I stopped last year, because I couldn't beat him. And I fucking beat him. Yes, you this did. Week. And I'm so happy. I got. I was literally, like, jumped up in my chair, so excited. And I, I just steamrolled through every other boss. I'm now in the final boss of the game. <gasps> and I feel so good right now. But that boss is fucking hard as shit. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. You know how there's, like, the, the death blows you have to do, and there's, like, maybe two per boss? Right. So you go to the area where the final boss is. I won't spoil, like, what's exactly. I'm just going to talk about the death blows. On it's a, a lake of jello. No. So you have to fight one dude with only one death blow, and I'm like, oh, that guy wasn't too bad. And then someone else comes with no break in between with three death blows. So essentially, the final boss is four death blows, which means you got to be really fucking good to power through and not have to use a, res- uh, um, a resurrection each 
life bar that they have. Right. And holy shit, it's just so fucking hard. But I got that itch of like, man, Soulsborne games, and I've just been... I downloaded all of them. I downloaded Bloodborne. I downloaded Dark Souls 3. I dabbled a little bit on my Switch, actually, with, with Dark Souls 1. And I... I it's amazing going from Sekiro to Bloodborne and Dark Souls because Bloodborne and Dark Souls are pretty closely aligned. Like, there's like the one big difference of there's no shields, so you have to kind of dodge more and use your gun. And there's like the health mechanic in Bloodborne where you can get your health back by re- retaliating. Right. Um, but like Sekiro, just it's amazing how much different that game feels. Where it really is a pretty, it's a good enough deviation from um, Soulsborne to feel like its own unique thing, but it's still absolutely a Soulsborne game. But also, what has amazed me is the combat. The combat of Sekiro is so good; it felt really strange playing Dark Souls and Bloodborne. So now I'm really curious: what are they going to do with Elden Ring? Because I don't know if Elden Ring is supposed to be like a spiritual successor to Dark Souls, but open world, kind of like how Demon's uh, Souls was a predecessor to Dark Souls. But I think kind there was of a, aligned. There was a rumor recently that Elden Ring is actually supposed to play more like Tetris or like Yoshi's Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they got George R. R. Martin for it because he loves right. Tetris. <laughs> right. Um, that'd be really funny. I'm so now I'm like can't wait to play uh Elden Ring. I'm just in a from software mood. Uh shit. Like those games are so good. But I played another Soulsborne game with you this week. You did. And Matt, and we played Remnants from the Ashes. Remnants colon from my ass. At this point, everything else I've played, we've played in common. So um, what did you think of Remnants from the Ashes? Because it's your first time playing it. It is my first time playing it. So it's on Xbox Game Pass. And it's a, it's a Soulsborne-type game from the name of the company escapes me. But it came out in like August of last year. Got a lot of really good mm-hmm. re- reviews. And I was like, man, I really want to play this. Um, but the kind of unique twist of this one is that you can play the entire thing with three people. And it's not like... Uh, in previous Souls games where you have to, like, call someone in with a bell or something like that, and then they can only help you to the boss, and then they go away, and then you have to redo it in a new location as long as they haven't beat that location before. This one is just straight up, you just jump into their game. It does have the same kind of pitfall that we discovered after playing for a few hours that it all all the progress is tied to my game and my character, and so when you guys went back mm-hmm. to your worlds... Uh, you did not retain any of the same progress, other than like your character's level and gear, I assume. Yeah, and it wouldn't have bothered me so much if it seemed like it'd be possible for you to join my game. I don't know what's wrong with my Xbox. I've checked the settings. It all looks good. But you can't see me as online to join my game even. So yeah, I got to power through those bosses forever, forever offline. That's, that's yeah. you. I don't forever know. Forever offline. I, don't I power through those bosses because then you're going to be so much stronger than I am. I can't can do any progression, out. because then you guys miss part of the game. So I guess just my save file is your save file, basically. We yes. share a save file. <laughs> yes, we share a save file, and no one's allowed to play anything. It is a lot of fun, though. It's a it's actually better than I thought it was going to be. It's very good mechanically, which is kind of my big concern, is that Soulsborne-style games have to feel mechanically good. Yep. Otherwise, you fall into that trap of, well, that wasn't my fault. That was cheap. Right. And this game definitely is not in that realm where it feels cheap. If you die, it's because, okay, we need to time our dodges better. And you can read the bosses. And actually, I'm sure you can play any of these bosses without getting hit once. Because I'm sure you can read their animations that well. I got that feeling from it. Not that I'll ever be good enough to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to but... not die or get hit and play it with the Guitar Hero controller with your feet. 
Um, oh, uh, no, after we talk about playtime, I do want to mention one thing I saw this week. This was really okay. fucking awesome. But we'll keep going on this for a while. Um, that just reminded me. Yeah, I, I really like it a lot. It's a really good game. It plays really well. It plays smoothly. Um, it feels good to shoot a gun, which is important for a game like this. Yeah, that's another big deviation. Like, Bloodborne had guns in it, but they were really more of, like, a strategy type thing where you use them to stagger people and then you just go back to your melee weapon. Whereas Remnants from the Ashes is highly focused on gunplay. There are lots of yeah. different types of guns. Shotguns. What do you? What's your guys' gun for your class called? Oh, um, a coach gun. Coach gun. There are, we got a sniper rifle. that. There are handguns and pistols. So it's a pretty cool thing. And then you have, like, different mods you can put on those guns, which really just seem like skills. And the reason you put them on guns is a way to just, like, limit your number of them. I don't know. That part seems weird to me. But, um, yeah, they they start out with this class system that's to me, feels needless a little bit because you find out after you beat, like, basically the first boss that you can really have any of the skills that you want from any class, and any person can use any gun or armor, and there's not really any difference between anyone aside from which one you just start with. But that was helpful because... There's an aesthetic difference, but that's about it. But the aesthetic difference is really just an an armor, right? Oh, yeah, just how you I can buy that armor, yeah. So That's true, you could. Yeah, it's it's a cool game. I'm excited to keep playing it. The... The one like minor complaint I have about it so far is that it is it's a straight up like poster child for made in unity. Like looking at this game, all the character models and everything like that, it's like, oh my god, yeah, this is straight up looks like it could be a really, really high end mobile game or like a kind of generic looking Unity game made for current gen stuff. Uh and the limited enemy types so far that we've experienced don't really help that either i feel like we've fought like no. three types of enemies and they're all just the same version of each other with slightly different animations or things like that but it's some sort of wooden creature right yeah they're all well they're all the root and they're all tied back to this tree yeah. so that part makes sense but um yeah it's a really cool game i'm having fun playing it i'm excited to go back and play more with you guys throughout the weeks cool I liked the art style of it. I totally hear you. As soon as you said it looks like a Unity game, I'm like, yeah, it really does look like a Unity game. That's mm-hmm. definitely spot on. I think I it's kind of like cell shaded almost, and I've always liked kind of a cell shaded art style. I think that's why I like Sea of Thieves art style, like Woodmaker's art style. Um, but it does it is a little strange because when I think of Soulsborne games, I think of something that looks realistic and visceral. Yeah, and this doesn't necessarily have that look to it. Uh, but I think it makes up in the sense that the bosses are still pretty imposing. The ones that we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, that I still kind of get that, like, oh, no, here comes the boss kind of dread that it, it evens out for me. But I think that's a good point. Yeah, 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 that about yeah, yeah. Unity game. So, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Kiara. I wonder how long it is compared to those Souls-type games. Another thing that I that I wish was harder, I wish the, like, exploring the different areas... Like, you get to a boss, and we certainly have, like, banged our heads against a wall on these bo- on the couple of bosses that we played so far a few times, but the actual, like, areas that we're exploring, I wish were harder. That That's what it is. I wish they were a little harder, and I'm missing the fear from Dark Souls games. Like, I remember going... Like, Dark Souls games and Bloodborne and, and Sekiro, I remember going through those caverns and hallways and things like literally scared to poke my head around a corner and be like, mm-hmm. fuck, what's around that corner? And where is this one I'm running through? Oh, bad guys popped up. Let's all just fucking beat him to death with a Shoot. hammer. 
and shoot him, yeah. yeah. And we're just constantly running around and dodging, whereas I, I miss the fear a little bit. So I was thinking about that, too, <clears throat> because I think a lot of that in Dark Souls games and, again, Bloodborne and Sekiro is that it's all close quarters combat. You got to get up close. You got to go where you don't want to go, which is run up in front of the enemy. Whereas this, because you're shooting, I'm so far away from them and so many of them don't shoot back that it just feels like I'm shooting mannequins as they come closer to me. But I, it, there's still parts, though, in Bloodborne and Dark Souls where things will, like, pop out of caskets or pop out of mm-hmm. behind doors and there's like so much trickery and jump scares and things like that too that I've, I'm not finding in this at all aside from like when they're hanging up on the ceiling mm-hmm. and they drop down but, but even then you, have, you can get a skill actually you already have the skill that will just show them to you right yeah yeah good point but I am having fun with it and I like it everyone go play that game so they make another one dude it's on game pass just do it just do it uh, we played more Rainbow Six Siege for game night this week. Man, we lost a lot. Still had a lot of fun with it, though. <laughs> we got a total defeat every single match, except the last one. I think we decided to call it quits after that. And on a high note. Yep, yep. Uh, and then I uh, dipped my little toe back into Destiny 2 again this week a couple times. You don't play Destiny. I do so much. I've started doing like <laughs> the quests to get like unique, or not unique, exotic guns and stuff like that. After I like clear out a shit ton of bounties uh, for the day, whatever I've done, and I'm, uh, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying it. There's so many. The quests are so well designed too, and they go through. There's cool cutscenes and cool environments and cool like mechanics that I didn't even know were in the game because they're buried in these quests. Uh, I I dig that game a lot. And that makes me really excited for Destiny 3 on whatever next-gen systems is coming to. Hopefully Stadia exclusive. That's my guess. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, man, that'd be hilarious. It'd be a great get for, for Google. Mm-hmm. That would be so strange. That's it. That's the rest of my life. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 Back to the b- fucking blue. <laughs> quote Pixar. Quote Finding Nemo. Back to that fucking blue, said the turtle. We're going to get into our fetch quest. Crush, crush the turtle. Crush, that's right, and squirt. You so <laughs> totally rock, squirt. That was the name of my turtle. First you were like, whoa. Then you were like, whoa. Then you are like, whoa. One of my favorite lines from that whole movie. True story. We had turtles uh, when I was a kid. And they said that all the time. They you. said it all the time. Uh, no, it was, there was squirt, Fred, Booger, and oh, shit, what was the last one? It was Mandy's turtle. I don't remember. Anyway, we had four turtles. Uh, all of them are gone now, but we don't know what happened to them. Oh. <laughs> like, I thought you meant like they passed away. No. No. <laughs> we had them in like a big 30-gallon tank in the in the house, and then it like got so big, and there were four turtles in there, and they got big. The turtles are one of those animals that will expand only as far as they can fit in their environment. So if you keep them in a tiny cage, they're going to stay tiny. If you keep them big, they're going to grow big. That's why you don't put them in the ocean, because they just become so fucking huge. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so then we built a pond out in the backyard, and it was, it, we had, like, a big plastic tub that served as the base for the pond so they could go into it and cool off. We have, like, this gravelly area. And then we have it completely fenced off from the, uh, around it and on top so that birds can't get in there and, and steal them and... Uh, no idea where any of those turtles are. One day we were like, where are the turtles, man? They're down at the bottom of that pond. We drained the water from the pond. Nope. 
Those turtles, all four of them, they're gone, shells and all. <laughs> I have no idea where they went. <laughs> That's actually really funny, because you don't think of turtles as, like, escape artists. <laughs> like, <laughs> quick, stop that turtle! <laughs> and I feel like, you know, we He's also... getting away. We also have had, at any given time, like, two or three dogs at my parents' house, too. So you know that, like, if they escaped that little cage... They would then be in the backyard that's fenced in with the dogs running around. So, like, you would have that turtle would have shown up somewhere with the dogs tearing <laughs> it to pieces. But no, nothing. They just evaporated. <laughs> Speaking of things evaporating, the Uncharted movie is not coming out anytime soon. It's delayed again for seemingly the billionth time, says Tanner Pierce at Dual Shockers. Uh, surprise, fucking surprise. It does now have a release date of March 5th, 2021, after it lost its sixth director. But, uh, yeah, still hold out that this is not coming. I actually, I'm just going to throw this in there. I, at this point, I'm, like, getting more and more, like, oh, like, probably not a good sign. But my post like, super cracked there. I said, like, it was pubescent or something. <laughs> uh, uh, you sound like mine and Jesse's <laughs> um, goose noises. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a three-month delay, which means they have some semblance of confidence that this is still moving along. Otherwise, they're going to have to de- delay it in, like, a few months again. Yeah. And I'll laugh my ass off if that happens. But oh, it's going to It's happen. only a three-month delay. We'll see what happens. It's going to happen. The next delay for... has to be, uh, like, more, uh, much more indefinite or just at least a year later. Like, indefinite meaning they don't give it a date. Like, we're just going to take our time with this. But they can't do, like, it's actually coming out in April and then May. And they just keep pushing it back month by month. Here's what I think it is. They finally have, like, bagged Tom Holland. He is Nathan Drake, according to this movie. He's got some kind of contract. And they, they in the past, have had, like, Mark Wahlberg attached to it and all these kind of things. But now that they've actually got Tom Holland, they're like, fuck, we have to make this now. <laughs> we can't just say, like, oh, we're looking at this actor. We've got this director on board and we're thinking about this. Like, no, we've got Tom Holland. He's hot right now because he's Spider-Man. Uh, we have to actually do something with this, and we weren't prepared. Fuck. Okay, it's, it's still coming. It's coming. Uh, it's just in March now, and we're just, you know, giving ourselves three extra months to think of whatever the fuck we're going to do with it. That's, that's my theory. I mean, the, the script must be written. They just have to shoot it at this point. I imagine a movie like this can be largely done with practical effects. Well, the which script requires a lot of planning. The script can have can be written by now, but whatever director they bring on board has then got to review the script to make sure it's a movie he wants to make, and he's got to change the script mm-hmm. to meet whatever he wants to do and all that kind of stuff. So scripts don't take that long to read, though. You can literally read a script in a single sitting. They're not that complex. <laughs> no, but they take that much to rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> of course it doesn't take that long to read it. I, but I'm saying is I think in this case they're just going to say, here's the script. If you don't like it, director, we'll find someone who does. They're not going to do re- rewrites of the script if it's coming out March 5th next year. Well, that's probably why they're running into trouble because they can't find any directors who like the script. Well, Every Half-Life game is free to play until April 1st. Says Matt Kim and IGN, if you are on Steam, both Mac and personal computers... You can play Half-Life for free till April 1st. Do it. Do it, you coward. Just do it! Speaking of free, or free with subscription, Xbox Game Pass for console is receiving new batch of games starting tomorrow, says Nick Biazzo at GameRanks. This is already available for some of these. A Plague Tale Innocence is already available. That's one I gotta play. I'm gonna download that tonight. I'm gonna... You know know what I'm gonna do? 
I'm going to open up this Xbox Game Pass app on my phone. First of all, <laughs> shout out to the Xbox. Shout out. Sorry. That was a, that was a uh, easy allies thing that popped up in there in my mouth. Shout out to the Xbox Game Pass app. And it sends you notifications like, hey, make sure you play these three games because they're going away at the end of the month. I'm like, oh, cool. I guess I do want to hop in and do that. Or it, sends you, nice. it says, hey, Playtale Innocence is now available. I'm like, oh, fuck. That's a good thing. I want to download that right now. Um... And, and they let you know too when it's done installing. They're like, "Hey, like when I said, hey, uh, I give them the notification to install The Witcher as soon as it's available." And like they send me a notification, like, "Hey, just so you know, The Witcher started downloading." Hey, just so you know, The Witcher's done downloading. Like that's cool. Yeah, you don't see that very often. And look at that! I just I tap Play Tale Innocence. I hit install on Xbox, and then I just get an error, and it says, "Oops, we weren't able to retrieve install status for this game. Rescue is in your queue." Whatever that means. But you're also getting, is great. It's great. <laughs> great. <laughs> also getting indivisible, which is a game, I guess. Sea salt, <laughs> which is I can only assume the sequel to Aquaman, set in the salt, starring Angelina Jolie universe, and it's their kid, Angelina Jolie and Jason Momoa's kid, Sea Salt, coming January. I was going to say it's, it's a trilogy of games. Whether the, the narrative continues on, you play sea salt and you play pepper, and then it's it just wraps up in paprika. Right? Yes, at the very blues end. clues, blues clues. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Good, <laughs> good reference. Fishing Sim World Pro Tour also comes on January thirtieth. Uh, next up, Alan Wake has returned to the Xbox Marketplace. Says Logan Moore at Dual Shockers. He's back. Alan Wake has returned. It was it was mysteriously gone for a little bit. So if you like control. Go back and try that out. You know what? I wonder if that's on Game Pass. (laughs) Let me open up my Xbox Game Pass app and let that fail at downloading, too. (laughs) Alan Wake. Nope, not on there. And then, last fetch quest here before we get into some room rooms. We have Kojima Productions is planning planning to work on multiple projects, including one, quote, big game. Says Eric Van Allen at US Gamer. Uh, Kojima has said that he wants to he wants to branch out and do things that are different than what he's always done, and he's thinking of doing small titles that could be episodic or digital only, and I think that would be dope. I would love to have something big to go back to and play every once in a while, like in the style of a Metal Gear or a Death Stranding or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I would love I would love to see what an episodic Kojima game looks like, and I want him to go full. You know, because even starting from Metal Gear Solid 1 with the, like, cinematic intro and the credits and all that kind of stuff over top of the cutscenes and, like, if you gave him control over something like Quantum Break, I bet he would absolutely go apeshit with it and it would be so fascinating. I'm more excited for, like, whatever a digital-only game would be because I appreciate the experimentation of Death Stranding, but it's so huge it's daunting that i don't want to keep going anymore whereas i feel like i'd love to see a small experimental title from kojima that i can just play for like two three maybe four hours and then get the idea behind it i want to see like what he can do in like one of those like one sit one sitting games or like an Mm -hmm. evening game i like to see what he can do with that um and then of course i'm sure his big game will get a lot of attention when it gets announced Anything from Kojima Productions, an evening game. <laughs> <laughs> an evening game. Next up, we're going to talk about some rumors. Rumor has it. Oh, we should get Adele on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have her number. I'll call her up and ask. Yeah, her. why have we not thought to do that before? I know. It seems like we hang out with her like every weekend we were in Chicago. Because she lives in Chicago. That's what it is. We both moved away from Chicago and we lost contact with Adele. Uh, first rumor up. And God, I hope this is true. The Order 1886 may be getting a sequel for PS5 and Xbox Series X. This is an article from Laddie Simcoe at Dual Shockers. Uh, this comes from um, a Neograph thread, so you can take that with a grain of salt. But it's basically the studio Ready at Dawn, who had made the PSP God of War games before, and then they did 1886. Uh, they are not necessarily, they are not a Sony studio. They are not a Sony owned worldwide studio. Um, so it's not necessarily just a PlayStation thing, and it looks like it might become the Xbox Series X. I hope this is true because I think Order 1886 is one of those completely underrated games. Um, everyone wrote it off because it was so short and because some of the mechanics weren't great, but the cinematic nature of it and the way that it looks and the storytelling and all that kind of stuff was so fucking cool. And I think nobody bought that game. And there have been so many times when it was like $4 on PSN and you should a hundred percent pick it up and put five hours into it. Um, but it was every time, every time I think of that game, I go, you know, I own it. I need to play it. And I'm just going to add it to my official backlog list in the GG app. Yeah, do it, dude. What do you? What have you dude. not been doing with that game for the last five years? Well, I've only had it for like two, I think. But that doesn't make it better. What have I been doing for the past two years is the new question. Bad things. Not playing. Bad 1866. things. 1886. 1886. I want it to be called uh, The Order. 1885? Question mark? Nope. It's the future. The... 1886. Still, but three months later than it was before. <laughs> I want the that to biggest, be the whole title. The biggest cash grab title they could do is The Order 2077. <laughs> <laughs> Next rumor coming up, we have Konami has two Silent Hill video games in development, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. Um, aesthetic Gamer. Which is just another way of saying, I'm a hot gamer, tweeted his insights. And apparently Konami has reached out to third-party developers for two potential pitches. It wants people to pitch two games. One would be a soft reboot for the franchise, and the one would be an episodic title. I don't know whether that means like in the vein of a Telltale type thing, yeah, or whether it would be like about. an RE Revelations type thing. They specifically mentioned like Until Dawn or Telltale mm. kind of style games. Mm. Later, mm. I, I for, didn't put it in the notes here, but just before we started recording, there was a, an update to this. The Aesthetic Gamer tweeted and just said, hey, this is just something that I heard a few years ago, and then someone reiterated it from another studio uh, a few months ago. I don't know if the games are still being worked on at all, um, but he says he's not referencing like you know the, the um, what are they called? The slot machines, like that kind of stuff. Like he's talking about two called like, pachinko games. machines. And it wasn't a slot are, machine? It's, there's a pachinko machine, and it is the pinnacle of entertainment. <laughs> um, true story. I don't think I've ever played a Silent Hill game. I would like to, but I haven't either. I feel like maybe I played like 10 minutes of one on my PSP a long-ass time ago, but I don't think I've actually played a Silent Hill game. <laughs> All right, sorry. I'm on the orders GG page right now to add it to my list. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think a star rating is? Speaking of underrated. Oh, I forgot you could rate games on there now. Probably yeah. like one and a half or two. Literally one and a half. Yeah, one and a half. Well, that's not fair yeah. because right now only elite members on the GG app have the ability to rate things. So they're paying for that privilege. Oh, so I'm sure they, it's a very small So section. elitist. I know, right? Next up. Uh... 
Capcom added. killed Resident Evil 8 development last year, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. Again, this is a rumor. Also from Ascended Gamer, that hot-ass gamer on Twitter. I'm so hot. Hansel is so hot right now. The current version of RE8 <laughs> has been in development for, quote, six to seven months. And prior iterations have been in production going back as early as 2016. Six to seven months. I, I think that would mean that they probably saw, if I were just guessing, they probably saw what happened with RE2 and how that set the world on fire. And they're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. We were going based off of Resident Evil 7, which, again, did really great, set the world on fire. And was like, thank God, it's back to its roots. But then they saw what RE2 did, and everyone's like, well, fuck, how do we put that into a new Resident Evil game? Let's go back to the drawing board. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good um, like way of looking at it, absolutely. Um, I think on top of that, too, um, this is mentioned in the article, but I think it's worth reiterating. Six, seven months for development they still probably are going to utilize some of the assets that they've already created. Oh, sure. So I'm sure that I'm sure that's going to shorten the development time. I think at this point it's clear this is definitely going to be a next gen title. At this point, I'd be yep. shocked if it if it wasn't, which is also very exciting. Um, but I'm kind of glad that and I I'm hoping what you're saying is true because I really would like them. If I were to pick RE2 or RE7, I would pick RE2. Me too. And I'd much rather them go in that direction. I think first person was a cool experiment. With RE7, and it worked well because the P, uh, the PSVR, I would prefer to have a character like Leon or Claire. Not them specifically, but like some character that's like feels more a part of the game than the main character. Of right. You want to look at somebody's butt the whole time. I want to look at someone's butt the entire because time. Because zombies, like, they're cool to shoot and shit like that, but also I need a butt to look at. Yeah. So can you imagine how ridiculous the, the gore <laughs> engine is going to be in that game? on next-gen consoles. Like, mm, holy shit. It already yes. looked disturbingly real. Oh, God. That game's going to be really unsettling and creepy. I, I can't freaking wait. Oh. I also... I don't... This didn't bother me at all either because Resident Evil... Like, in terms of, like, I figured this game was going to be coming out next year before this is announced. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Or not announced, but rumored. I'm okay with it because RE2 is so good. I'm sure RE3 is going to be also very good. I'm good. The two like two really good RE games. I mean, I'm assuming the next one's gonna be good at least. Back to back, I'm cool with that. I think they can even take like another year off, two years maybe. At and this really point, make RE they've had great. what what year did Resident Evil Seven come out? Because at this point, I think they've had a yearly release. Yeah, so they've had a yearly release. Oh no, because I guess 2018 then would 20... be a, an empty year for them. Yeah. Interesting. Cool, cool, cool. I really cool, want cool, to go cool. back to RE6. I think that's the pinnacle of Resident Evil from what, everything I've heard from the fans. Well, RE5 definitely sold the most, so... <laughs> I'm kidding. RE5 was fun, though. Playing co-op, that was so cool. We should play that. <laughs> I do want to go I'd back be down. I have RE4, 5, and 6 on my PlayStation because I do want to eventually... I never played 6, but I do want to eventually go back and play through all those. Yeah. I was being facetious earlier. I have no interest in RE6 at all but re5 i do have a mild curiosity about even though i've heard it's it's more action oriented oh my god have you seen chris redfield's arms in that game oh my god (laughs) next up we're gonna move to our microsoft quest log we're gonna scoot on down we're gonna do a little grapevine over to microsoft land and we're gonna talk about xbox studio ninja theory revealing experimental horror title project mara says alex calvin at pc games insider uh, this all stems from a seven-minute video that Ninja Theory put out last week that I think everybody should go and watch. It 
uh, mainly touches on three things. Ninja Theory talks about it's their first Dreadnought Diaries, is what they're calling these series of videos. Uh, and they talk about Hellblade Two first. They show the same trailer. I I feel like it was a hundred percent the same trailer, right? Yeah, hundred percent the same trailer. Okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think that there was anything added to it, but yeah, they talk about Hellblade Two. Um, they talk about their mental health project that they uh, unveiled a few months ago and how they're working to make mental health initiatives through video games. Uh, and then they talked about their newest project called Project Mara. And they showed off a couple of like basically concept art type things. And what they showed off, those environments, environments are always easy to make look really fucking good whenever you don't have like people and facial animations and stuff like that. But the, all of those environments were all in-engine footage. And it looked stunning. Uh, so yes, they described this new game as an experimental game with a focus on mental horror, and they want to make it. They want to make these experiences as true to life and what someone who's experiencing them in real life mentally would feel like. So, uh, again, go back and watch that full seven minute video. It is totally worth the watch. Absolutely, I have the feeling that this game is going to come out before Hellblade Two. Do you think so? I think so. I think this is going to be one of the Xbox exclusive games that is cross-generation, and Hellblade 2 will be their first project that's actually a Series X exclusive game. When Phil Spencer showed off uh, Hellblade 2, he made specific mention that this is a game in early development, and that game just looks, if we're to believe that really is running an engine, which I believe it is, it looks so fucking good graphically that I just would have a hard time seeing how they could just transition that into a cross-gen title. It feels like it's a pure next-gen title. Whereas this, you're right, the environments do look really, really good. Her face does not look as good as it does in Hellblade, and it's the same actress. So it and it's the same studio, and it's the same engine, presumably. So, like, if it doesn't look as good as the next-gen... What I'm assuming is the next-gen game that they just showed off at the Xbox Series X mm-hmm. uh, um, reveal, I feel like this is coming sooner rather than later like maybe within but at least by the end of 2021 because that would be when they cut off at least all their titles being cross-gen yeah uh i want to have a quick little discussion about whether or not you feel like these games are still going to be xbox exclusive titles take a little trot with me Mm -hmm. hellblade one ninja theory comes out first exclusively on ps4 yeah, and then it eventually does come to PC as well, with the VR version being exclusive to, I think mm-hmm. it was Oculus, or no, it's, it's only yeah, on it Steam. It was only on Steam. Um, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's got exclusivity roots elsewhere, and then finally it did come to Switch eventually and Xbox as well, and came on Game <laughs> Pass. Um, but my thought is that one. Hellblade 2 might have already been in development before they were bought, and Xbox usually is good about honoring, you know, hey, if you've got contracts to come out on other things already, that's fine. They've also shown that with Minecraft, they're still willing to support development of their first-party titles on other things. They've shown with Ori and the Blind Forest that they're willing to release things on Switch. And I would think that this studio, Ninja Theory, and, like, the social good that they're doing with this game... I would think they want this to reach as many people as humanly possible. And the only way you do that is by releasing it everywhere. And if this is something that, it, yes, it would be a first-party developed and funded title, but it's, it's something that with their strategy of, like, we 
not necessarily their words, but everyone's kind of assumption is we don't care where you play our game as long as you play our game kind of philosophy that yeah. Xbox seems to be going with. I don't know. I feel like I could see them making both Hellblade 2 and Project Mara cross, like, available so in like wide So, like, PS5 release. as well? Yeah, I think so. I don't think so. I, I disagree. Because they have another title. They didn't, and I'm surprised they didn't mention this title in the Dreadnought Diaries. They're also making Bleeding Edge. Is oh, that's right. Game. And that is Xbox only. That's going to be Xbox and PC only. It's not coming to PS4. That's so like that, the like, Melee... They, and, version of uh overwatch right yeah i it's, it's like a character-based shooter yeah um but oh no sorry it's uh you're right it's melee not you were saying i was thinking melee smash bros um but it's something about character-based it's gonna be melee yeah coming um, in just two months march 24th focused. but um my point is that hellblade yes did come to switch but they had acknowledged that at the time, that's only happening, even though it's owned by Xbox now, because that had already been in motion, right. and they'd already been been working on that. Um, I don't doubt that like something like Bleeding Edge maybe was in development for PS4 at some time, because clearly that game was in development before Microsoft bought them. But if that game is going to be Xbox only, I'm assuming their next projects are going to be Xbox only as well. The only thing you not consider, though, is the you're kind of saying the social aspect to it. Right. Like, so yeah, Bleeding Edge has nothing to do with their mental health initiatives. No, no, not at all. So maybe, like, depending on what that mental health initiative is and what Project Mara ends up being, um, yeah, I can maybe. I I don't know. I'll have to see. I, I don't know if I'm fully on board with that. But I think Hellblade 2 is for sure going to be Xbox only. And they pitched it as, like, look at what the Xbox can do. Yeah. And then for, like, a year later to be like, here's another trailer. By the way, also not coming to only the Xbox, coming to PS5 as well, or competitor. I feel like they want this to be, like, a tentpole game. And people go, ooh, I want to play Hellblade on the Xbox because that's the only place I can play it. Damn it, now i got to get a Series X. <laughs> or a Series S, who knows? No. I don't even need all that. No, if I'm it. buying a new Xbox at launch, it's going to be the beefy one. Speaking <laughs> of buying new things at launch, we're moving on to our Sony Quest log, and there is the VR publisher that claims that Sony will release PlayStation VR 2 with PlayStation 5, says Brianna Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle. Uh, there's a, a VR publisher named Immersive VR Education. Um, developer of Apollo 11 is the most, uh, I think, recent game that they've created. And they stated in their yearly projections, quote, 2020 will see Sony release the PlayStation 5 and a new version of the PlayStation VR headset, PSVR, which will further expand the high-end VR user base. The group intends to support this device with its current suite of showcase software. Previously... Sony has already acknowledged that the, the head of research and development at Sony has already acknowledged that releasing both a new PlayStation and a VR, VR headset would be making a mistake. They didn't, they didn't want to bombard their people with so much new hardware. Yeah. I don't buy this. <laughs> it, is, it is an unlikely source that people who made Apollo yeah. 11, immersive <laughs> VR education studio, like, would would really be the ones to like break this news but but i got to thinking and with playstation vr with vr in general being such a small subsection of gamers or people who who even have any kind of like not necessarily just gamers because there are people who don't game who have vr headsets um with 106 million PlayStation 4s out there and just 5 million, it's less than 5%, 5 million PlayStation VRs, 
I don't know if it would be a mistake to release a PSVR 2 because they would already, like, they'd literally be marketing it to, like, tens of thousands of people if they want it, like, right at launch. And I think that there are tens of thousands of people, myself included, who would be like, you know what? I do want a a next-gen VR experience to go with my next-gen PS5 that I just bought, and I'm excited to get in on the ground floor just like I was excited, like, when I got my PSVR technically two days early. Thank you, Best Buy. From its initial release date, um, so I'm I don't know if I'm really if you would ask me before this story came out I would have been like no yeah of course they're not going to release them both at the same time but if they're not expecting to sell a ton of them why not release it and then by the time mm-hmm. they're ready to push it as like hey PlayStation Five has been out for a little bit and we're ready to push this new hardware do a little bit of a sale, maybe a price reduction of 100 bucks off of whatever the new one's price is going to be, and then do a huge marketing push when they're ready to push those numbers higher. And then they also have word of mouth and all of these studios who have already been releasing titles for it, so there's a backlog of, of things for people to play. I don't know if it would be the biggest mistake in the world if they release it at the same time. Well, it's, it's already going to have a backlog of content to play because it's already going to have access to all the PSVR content that already exists. So it'll, it'll already kind of have that. And I, I'll say, like, if any source could make me go, huh, maybe, it would be a studio who is telling their their investors, hey, we are working on projects that will be coming out on this system this year, and we expect to be making money. They cannot, like, legally, they cannot lie to their investors. <laughs> Um, so, like, I don't think that they're being disingenuous. Um, maybe they, maybe this new version of the VR headset isn't like a VR two, and they're it, the communication's not very clear. I don't know, but like, I totally hear what you're saying. I think the flip side of that would be yes, the PSVR isn't selling as well as a PlayStation Four is. It's a smaller market, but that might be the reason to have it wait so it has its own launch they can treat it as and make sure that all the focus is on that because i think there's a chance that if they do release them at the same time there's zero chance the psvr could take any uh light away from the ps5 but the psv uh 5 could absolutely put the psvr in the shadows so i don't know it's really tough i feel like i'm saying like don't even do a marketing push for it at launch maybe be like hey there's a cool new vr headset that's only available on ps5 but save your marketing yeah. push for when the market's more saturated with PlayStation's fives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, let they... the story be about PS5 at launch for sure. Yeah. But then you can run into some like as like there could it could create a perception of oh well Sony doesn't have a lot of faith in the PSVR because they just kind of put it out there without any like marketing buzz or anything like behind it. It's just, it's just really risky. I think to do that, especially when this is a platform they want to grow and expand, there could easily be created the perception that Sony doesn't care for the PSVR. Like usually, like looking at like a movie studio, for example. Uh, I like I've heard this for like I know this is not exactly comparable, but it's kind of at least it it makes sense as an analogy for me. Thinking about how some writers of television shows for Netflix talk about Netflix and how Netflix has treated their shows, and so they'll be like really frustrated that Netflix didn't promote that show at all and just like put it on the platform for it you know to die essentially because no one knew that that it was there and how that can kind of be frustrating for that writer because it makes that writer at least how they've talked about that it the writers usually talk about how it makes it feel like netflix just didn't have faith in their show and 
I feel like to grow PSVR, they need to demonstrate they have faith in it. And I don't know if this that would be the best way of doing it. But then again, it's like my head's in a knot now. I don't buy it because I don't personally see it that way. But this is like the best possible evidence that you could have for it. So I'm like, I don't, I still don't buy it. But like, I totally can see. I wouldn't now be surprised if it did come out this year. I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of more PS5 news, there's a rumor. Of a, the PlayStation 5 UI has leaked online. It's from Dennis Patrick at GameRanks. There's a photo going around on 4chan. Actually, multiple photos. Did you see the one that also includes the system itself? No. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yes. Yeah, it's like not the dev kit with the V, but also like an actual streamlined-looking possible production yeah. unit. Uh, yeah, it looks like the if, if these are to be believed, it, the UI looks very similar to the PS4 UI. There's still the same square icons going horizontally across it. They've got one for what looks like games, one for settings, one for Quake. You have your own dedicated thing for Quake. Um, <laughs> and uh, then one for the PlayStation Store, it looks like, maybe. Um, and then, yeah, up at top, you've got notifications, you've got friends, you've got the time, the day. Like, it, it looks like they very heavily are dipping into PS4 for uh, inspiration. And I don't think there's a bad thing. I mean, honestly, PS4 is pretty simple for me to navigate versus when I go on yeah. my Xbox and I scream at it for three minutes trying to figure out where the fuck my games are. Um, so, yeah, that if this is to be believed, which I think it's possible, it, it's definitely still like an early version of like all of the names of the like systems is named like NPSX500 or whatever and games is named something similar. Like things are still app underscore home parentheses data. But, uh, yeah, I think this could be... a a good early first impression of what the PS5 UI might actually look like. Yeah, uh, this is looks very believable. Anyone can make like a photoshopped image as like a concept art and like put it up there, but this doesn't look like someone who would do that. Someone who would do that wouldn't put MPX, you know, S384 like they they would make it look like it's an official like ready for consumer screen. So it definitely right. looks like something that's for testing. A lot of the icons just match what I already see on a PS4. The friends icon is identical to the point where I, I buy it. It doesn't look like a knockoff that like someone was trying to replicate it and they couldn't. It looks like the official one. So like it looks legit. Um, I think it's thing thing. And I'm sorry if I drew a blank and didn't hear you say this, but the uh, the, the terabyte of storage allegedly. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 yes. Um, it says free space is 891.541 gigabytes. So we had talked about a cons- uh, about what the SSD size is going to be. We've you know we've discussed that. Um, we talked about it on uh, the the Pixel Street podcast this week. We did with those we boys did. over there, those little boys. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i think that a terabyte would make sense that's kind of what they seem to be showing here it's a dev kit i'm assuming so it's hard to say that's actually what the shipping model is going to be i can see why they might want to ship a dev kit with a lot more storage in it than what would come in the unit because like for example you want to test out 10 different versions of the game you just create 10 different builds and load them all onto the system you would need more storage to kind of accommodate for things like that it's like maybe i'm totally speculating i don't have development experience in that realm so i i'm kind of talking on my ass there but like that would make sense to me um i i don't remember whether it was this article or something else i was reading online one of the justifications for why this might actually be the real thing is that as they get closer to launch they want the dev kits to reflect 
what's actually going to be there for all mm-hmm. sorts of testing purposes. Yeah. Like if there's going to be a terabyte of storage in the shipping hardware, they want to make sure that yeah. they're testing, all right, what happens when I reach that limit internally? Does the whole thing just shut off and fail? Uh, you know, there's yeah. that PlayStation bug where as soon as you reach like 2,000 friends, all of your online functions start like completely fucking up. Like that, those kind of things. Like, really? You wouldn't know what happened. Yeah, that happened. To, there was something famous that Greg Miller like had issues with years ago. Um, That's funny. It, it's one of those things. Too that, like, popular. Get less friends. <laughs> too popular. You want to be able to test these real world things, and I think mm-hmm. that we are close enough to them revealing the hardware that I think a terabyte being in a dev kit is 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 close to what we're seeing. I also mm-hmm. think that every PS4 Pro already comes with a one terabyte. Some models have the two terabyte in them as well. That like mm-hmm. I think I think one terabyte is is safe to assume by now for next gen. I think you and I were talking though. I would love love at launch a two terabyte option. I don't know if we're gonna get it. I think it's gonna mm-hmm. be one skew, but I would love right off the bat, especially if it's not expandable or if it's not easily expandable with external storage. That's exactly it. Yeah, I would love two terabytes, and I would pay. That, that would be premium. like if they did two fifty six or five hundred. It would be insulting considering the 100 gigabyte discs that are going to be available for PS5 games. If they're expecting right. these games to be huge. I mean, and if you think about every single, you know, they give you 512, but 95 of that is the system itself. And then mm-hmm. those fucking things where like, oh yeah, you have to download a 40 gigabyte game. Well, you actually have to have 80 gigs available to download the 40 gigabyte game because it's got to get there and then unpack and all that kind of shit. It's like, there are so many limitations of storage that I don't think they could possibly do 512. That would literally leave yeah. you like two, maybe three games. Yeah. And on that note, and to kind of kind of combine the two points we just mentioned there, that it's the, they have the hardware there for testing purposes, and they have the one terabyte storage for every reason we just, just mentioned. Having the dev kits have the standard one terabyte drive that's going to be shipping could also allow Sony to get some feedback on how that hard drive performs, especially if this yeah. is a custom-made SSD. They want to have the hard drive that's going to ship with the PS5 testing, not a smaller or larger version of that hard drive. They need to make sure that specific size is working well because yep. they need to remanufacture them. So, yeah, that all that all makes sense. I'm yeah. swayed. I was a little skeptical. I'm swayed. You know, you know what that kind of reminds me of? That reminds me of when this 100% backs up that theory. Do you remember that there were certain, I think it was like, on certain iMacs, a three terabyte version of the Fusion Drive would fuck up, and they had like a quality or replacement yes. program for them. So like, you have to yep. make sure that the specific one you're going to be using is working. Because like the two was fine, the I four was fine, that. but if you had a three terabyte version, then it fucked up. Yeah, because they had a different size SSD for the three terabyte version, and like that was it was the communication between that that hard disk and that SSD thing that was the issue. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Moving on to our Nintendo Quest log. We've got three little baby stories in here. One of them is saying Nintendo can continue preventing cancellation of pre-orders in Germany, says Rebecca Valentine, gamesindustry.biz. Um, this, uh, Nintendo just won a lawsuit in the Norwegian Consumer Council. Uh, sorry, I'm going to back up. Nintendo won a lawsuit against the Norwegian <laughs> Consumer Council. Sorry, just that sound. <laughs> attempting to allow consumers to seek refunds on the eShop for pre-orders. This is something that, um, that until recently, if you ever pre-ordered something digitally on most storefronts, it was just commonplace that, like, cool, you pre-ordered this on PSN, you pre-ordered this on eShop, you don't get the option of a refund. Even if it, even if you cancel it and the game's not coming out for like six months, you st- you don't you don't have that option. Um, recently, that turned a corner, however, and now like I think PlayStation has as long as you haven't downloaded it yet, or yeah. it's been within two weeks or something like that, um, 
And it looks like Nintendo did just win and say, hey, nope, you cannot refund your eShop pre-orders, at least in Germany. The Norwegian Consumer Council is, however, seeking an appeal, so we'll see if that changes. Just another example of Nintendo being uh, behind the times. I think they need to adopt Sony's policy. I think Sony has the fairest policy because I totally understand that if you preload the game, you could easily, if you know what you're doing, take the file off the Switch, load it onto your PC, do whatever shit you want with it, and then return the game before yeah. it officially comes out. And you could do this up to two, I mean, depending on when they release the preload, up to two weeks before, potentially the game even comes out so like that could be it puts those companies in a bad spot but i think sony does it the most fair i would like to see that become the industry standard because i think this a lot of people are looking at this as oh they're being so hostile to their customers and it's not so much they're being hostile to customers they're trying to protect their their property right i understand i understand that i think that nintendo has a track record of not being so nice to customers but lately like with like the metroid prime 4 announcement like hey guys it's not good we're holding it back like shows that they do care about customers i don't want to go as far as say they don't care about customers but they they i think they need to just straight up completely steal sony's policy it's the best way of doing it yeah what is the, do you know off, off the top of your head like what xbox's if you buy it from the microsoft store like what, do you, what their refund policy is i don't know i have no idea hmm. i assume it's good just because they're such a consumer friendly company right now so I Phil Spencer will best. come to your house and gouge your eyes out if you try to get any <laughs> refunds. It's very come in with a nice pick. Gah, 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 gah. Squish yeah, your eyes. What do you mean you don't want Crackdown Three? Those reviews were great. Oh my god, Woof McDuck. <laughs> Our next two stories are about potential Smash characters. Uh, last week we talked about Sakurai and his stupid ass event, revealing another Fire Emblem character, <laughs> but also revealing that six more characters are coming in the next two years to Smash. The first story is Doom Director says the team has, quote, bantered with Nintendo asking for Doom Guy in Smash Bros. This comes from Ryan Craddock at Nintendo Life. There's an interview with Marty Stratton upon Avon. <laughs> Sorry, that was, a, that was a little mashup of his name and Shakespeare's birthplace. From id Software, <laughs> he claimed that they asked Nintendo about making Doom Slayer a character in Smash. That has been rumored for a trillion years. Yep, that Doom guy is going to be in there. We um, now know that they've been asked, though, and yep. obviously it'd be okay. They won't run into any legal issues, which is cool. And this is one of those things where if Smash is a celebration of gaming, then listening to what fans want to be the next Smash character is probably important. Yep. AKA not another Fire Emblem character. Not another fucking Fire Emblem character. I would be surprised if this is not in the next six. I would love, I would love to have Doom Slayer in there and see him glory kill Isabel and just fucking rip her in (laughs) half. (laughs) That's the thing. What are they going to have Doom Slayer do? He's going to have a chainsaw and he just like chainsaws Mario in half. Like like blood flying everywhere. Like what is his character going to be like? You know, his final smash is going to be a BFG. Oh yeah, of course. Yep. Um. Yeah. I. It's. It's got to happen. This has been. It's not even been rumored so much. It's just been so heavily demanded. I feel like they have to do it. Yeah. And there's. Six I think of them. they might. Yeah, there's six of them. Yeah. I think they might have even opened up six more because they're like, the characters we're working on are cool characters, but like people are asking for these, and fuck it, people will buy them. So let's just continue development for another year and <laughs> release six more characters. Yep. Next there's up, more though. There's one more. This one's a rumor. Crash Bandicoot is the next character for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, says Jordan Biazzo at Game Ranks. 
Twitterer Mandycan. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. Mandycan said, quote, Craft comes directly after the first Challenger pack. Wink face. Winky emoji. Um, solid source. <laughs> solid source from a Twitterer named Mandycan. Well, is, is Mandycan relevant in the rumor community? Yeah, she's made some rumors before, but it's I haven't gone back to like look at the the veracity of them necessarily. But okay. this is another one though. Like, mm, I don't know if she knows anything about the next Smash character or not. But Crash is one of those characters where if you're doing a celebration of gaming, Crash seems like a character you might want to have. Yep, celebration of gaming. He's owned by Activision, not by Sony. So that's totally like up for grabs. You don't have to worry about working with them. It's also. That game sold super fucking well. The Crash Bandicoot Trilogy remastered, like, especially in the UK. I think it was on the top of the UK charts for, like, 10 months or something like that. Yeah, that sounds like it's ripe for Smash. Yeah. The only hesitation I'd have, and I don't even really buy this hesitation, because I don't really know if Sony's ever going to make another Battle Royale game. Or All-Stars Battle Royale, which will probably have to change the name of at this point. Yeah, because Battle Royale means something very different now. Yeah, um, they would have to have Crash in that game. It would be like Mario not being in Smash Bros. So like, if Crash comes to Smash, which seems more likely to me still, Sony just can't make All-Stars. They just can't make it. I 100% think we'll never see another PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale ever again. Yeah, I like Although it. Although how cool, yeah. I did like to, I played on my Vita a lot. How cool was it to have Nathan Drake fighting a fucking big daddy from Bioshock? Like That was super mm-hmm. cool. We're going to move on to a third-party quest log where we get a little bit more serious and a little bit exhausted. We're going to talk about Joe Biden recalls Silicon Valley (laughs) game developer as, quote, little creeps. From DualShockers, Ben Bayless says, during a New York Times interview with Joe Biden, he was quoted on his experience in Silicon Valley. He says, quote, and at one point, one of the little creeps sitting around that table who was a multi, close to a billionaire, who told me that he was an artist because he was able to come up with games to teach you about how to kill people. End quote. The reporter pushed and asked if he was referring to video games, and in response he said, yeah, video games. <laughs> From reading that entire article about Joe Biden, it seems that, like one guy was a jerk to him, and <laughs> Joe Biden's like now has a vendetta against all video game creators because this one guy was a jerk, and he has no idea what he's saying, and that's why he's like interrupting himself mid sentence. He's just spouting nonsense, and I think it's all. I think we all just need to ignore Joe Biden and be like, "You crazy kooky old man," and move on. Yeah, I, this is one of the things where it's like, I don't think he was talking about gaming as a whole directly in that statement, but the statement does show that he doesn't necessarily have the warmest thoughts towards video games, <laughs> right? Uh, so, but the part that just gets me is that. And this is why I, I I put this in here is the little creeps part because he is so creepy. He's <laughs> yeah, very right? creepy. Right? Joe Biden's one of the creepiest old men. So I found this video on it was like a two minute clip on CNN, and the clip, to be fair, is trying to say that Joe Biden's not a creep, but in every clip they show him like, but that's so creepy what he's doing. There's like <laughs> one where he's I guess he's in Senator Congress. The camera is too close to really see like what room he's in, but he's posing with like. A dad who I think was in the military, the wife, and then the daughter. And he's, like, caressing the daughter's hair. He's trying to whisper into the little girl's ear. And then he goes in for a kiss. And she keeps, like, slowly oh. moving away from him. And they're like... And I the swear to God, the CNN video said, Well, he's on camera, so he's not being creepy. 
What? Oh my god. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So the guy's kind of creepy. This is beyond the like her comment. So I don't know. It just irked me that like him of all people is going to call video game developers, at least that specific one, a creep. It's just, I don't know. It just set me off in the wrong way. Yep. Just ignore it. As Greg Miller says, we just got to wait for all the old white men to die and then everything will be right. And people will finally understand. <laughs> all the people who don't understand video games and violence and that kind of stuff, like they'll all die one day and then it'll be great. I like Steve Jobs has almost the same quote on this. He said this back in the 90s uh, in a documentary called Triumph of the Nerds. And someone asked him, you know, don't you think that the mouse and keyboard setup is going to be hard for some people to learn? And he's like, oh, absolutely. But death will solve that problem. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, id Software. These actually stories are about crunch. id Software crunched, quote, most of last year to hit delayed Doom Eternal dates, says Todd Phillips. Tom Phillips. Who is Todd Phillips? I feel like that's a character in something. Uh, That's the director of Joker and Hangover. That's it. Yep. Tom Phillips from Eurogamer. Here he is again. Marty Stratford upon a bond. Marty Stratton, in a different (laughs) interview than previously discussed, explained how crunch works at Bethesda. Quote, it goes in phases. We'll have one group of people crunching, so the next group of people are teed up properly. As they get done, they they may need to crunch a little bit. We really, truly do try and be very respectful of people's time and lives. We have very dedicated people that just choose to work a lot in many cases. It was nice because we want the game to be perfect. We want it to live up to our expectations and consumer expectations. I thought that was an interesting thing that I hadn't heard before in regards to Crunch, how they kind of do it in waves or cycle on and off based on teams. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that... I'm sure they figured out a system, but I don't know how that logistically works when a game like... It's not you can say, all right, we're going to work really hard on making great looking trees for two weeks. And then we're going to work hard on AI for two weeks. Like, how do you cycle those people in and out? Is it a fraction of each team? And then they feel like they're. Yeah. But then at that point, you're like, I'm the two out of 10 people on this team working on this really, really hard. And I feel like everyone else is not doing shit. But I don't know. That's an interesting little wrinkle there. Yeah, I uh, we've talked about crunch so much now, but I did. I did think this was a unique take on crunch like if you're gonna do it i guess that's the best way to do it is to not impose it on your entire team but to kind of be like hey it's like a relay race i take it some of the way then you take it the rest of the way then you take yeah. it the rest of the way um still not great i think bungie's model is still the best which is that they just over the course of like 15 years found out how to iron out crunch and just make it not existent at the studio and maybe this is their step towards it but i do again and we'll talk about this in the next story too this is now being openly discussed, and that's a good thing. Yes, people are being aware, and that ties directly into this. IGDA gives official statement over recent CD Projekt Red crunch comment, says Dennis Patrick at GameRanks. Last week, CDPR announced a delay on Cyberpunk and the resulting crunch necessary to complete the game. The IGDA, which is the International Game Developers Association, responded and said, quote, Work-life balance is critical for the mental health of developers, and studios should consider the well-being of their employees when determining a new release date. Gamers have become more aware of the pressures on game developers, and they are more understanding of delayed launches. Continuing, it says, a, quote, a studio as massively successful as CDPR would hopefully have the means to support a longer development cycle to reduce crunch. While they have previously noted their crunch periods are not mandatory, the pressure to crunch is strong just from supporting longer hours, and even stronger when directly asking developers to work nights and weekends. Uh, yeah, as you exactly said, like, People are aware of crunch, and they're aware that it's the effect that it has on the people who make their games that they love. And as this calls out, like, 
we're more understanding now. I, you're going to delay Cyberpunk for a few months. Great. I totally get it. I'm not upset. I'll play it when I play it. Um, and I think just having this discussion is part of that. I would love to see where there, there is no crunch and everybody's happy and we still get our games in a timely fashion. Um, but that doesn't seem feasible right now. This is a good alternative. Just like everyone talk about it and we're mm-hmm. all aware of it. The first step to fixing anything is acknowledging there's a problem. That's right. Um, I was thinking, because I was watching um, the footage of Doom Eternal just before we recorded, Mm -hmm. and which, by the way, everyone's saying, who has played the first three hours, this is fucking amazing. I'm so Oh, yeah. We talked about this on Pixel Street Podcast, too. It was like, for the first time, I think I might be excited to play Doom Eternal. It looks good. Um, So I was thinking about how I think it's kind of like a dual responsibility between the developers, but also the consumers. We need to be more forgiving of little bugs and stuff when a game comes out. It doesn't mean the studio is awful and terrible and makes a bad game. It just means these games are really complicated because they want to keep up in the ante to give us amazing experiences. And I think the developers need to find that balance of like, okay, we need to delay this game to iron out some bugs, but we need to be forgiving of some of that stuff if we're going to you know, move forward. But I think a part of like what the studios could do to kind of help with that too is acknowledge the bugs that they know are there. Like maybe as the game comes out and people are talking about them yeah. and just making statements of like, we know these bugs are here. We are working on those bugs. And they probably couldn't give like a timetable on like when those bugs will be ironed out. Cause sometimes those things can be hard to figure out. Cause it's more about finding out the mistake in the logic as opposed to finding like a spelling error. It's usually not a spelling error. It's usually a gap in logic. Um, so I, I think it's just a dual thing where, you know, they need to talk about it, but we need to be, you know, for, forgiving to some of these companies at the same time. I think that's a cool, like, strategy you bring up is to to be transparent about what you know is broken in your game on launch. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think about, like, Sony's strategy with name changes on the PSN. And they're like, listen, we've been working really hard, and you can change your name now, but we know it's going to break these few things in a few games. And if you're okay with that, Go ahead, change your name. And there are a few games that we don't really know what it's going to break, but there's a possibility. Here are those few games. And then these are the games that we know it's going to work perfectly fine with. And I think Mm -hmm. as long as you're transparent, people can make that decision for themselves, whether I want to buy this game at launch, knowing that if I walk through a doorway in some house on a mountain, then I might freeze and lose my save file. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think one thing that most people don't realize is that, yes, there's a rigorous QA process, and yes, that you as the early adopters become that QA test process because there's no way they can actually find all the bugs themselves with the limited fan base or limited base of employees that are in there. But that yes, things do ship software ships from every developer on every system, every operating system, software ships with bugs that are known and they know that there's yeah, not a not fix even, for not them even right games, now. software, like software, software in general. Yeah. Yeah. There are things like, we know this is broken. If this happens, we don't know how to fix it yet, but we know it's broken. And if if publishers can get in the habit of just being um, a little bit more transparent and I don't want to say that it's about humility. It's, it's not like, like their ego is so big that they don't want to acknowledge their mistakes or something <laughs> like that. But like if they can get in the habit of just being upfront with people and saying, yeah, we know there are some broken things. Now, if you go like the route of like Bethesda with Fallout 4 being incredibly buggy <laughs> or how like Skyrim when it launched on PS3 was literally unplayable um, – Oh, that's, yeah, that's a little right. egregious. That's that's too far. <laughs> you say, hey, guys, listen, you can buy Skyrim for 60 bucks right now. You can't play it, but we'd love to take your money. Like, that's too far. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I think being transparent on, on that kind of stuff could be helpful as well. How did we get to that from this story? Obviously, it's on my mind. Yeah, your segue when was beautiful, whatever it was, because it felt so natural. Oh. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Speaking of things <laughs> that are uh, going to hopefully ship not buggy, uh, Valve says Half-Life Alex is done. So you probably don't need to worry about delays, says Matt Wales at Eurogamer. People were concerned that, like, oh, man, it's not even got a date in March. It's just generally March, which is now, like, five weeks away. Is it going to be delayed? Is it going to be the next one that gets hit? Turns out, no, it's, it's pretty much done, and they're exactly where they need to be. Speaking of, what were you about to I was, say? I was just going to say, it'd be really cool if they never gave it a specific date. It just kind of said, like, why don't I launch it today? And then just, like, randomly launched it. That'd be awesome. It would That'd be the best way for them to release this game. Just surprise just totally Apex it. Although Apex it didn't yeah. say anything about. Moving on to our main quest, which is, what is the next delayed game? Hold in. This comes from a subscriber interrogative from Dusty. From Dustin, uh, what did you say? Epinephrine. It's Dusty Epinephrine Hill. All right. Uh, what game is going to be delayed next, says Dusty on Twitter. Hold on. You wanted to take this in a slightly different direction. I'm going to give you the mic because we share one microphone across the United States. <laughs> I'm going to give you the mic and let you talk. Before I talk, though, do you have a game in mind that you want to share first? Here's, here's a fun thing. What's the next delayed game? I think it's Cyberpunk again. And <laughs> I think this because I was reading something I don't remember what it was, but it was an article about like there was a rumor that the reason for the delay is because they were having trouble getting Cyberpunk running well on the base PS4 and Xbox One models. And they pushed it to September, but if they can't get enough power out of those consoles to run it, then I think they th- they have to make a decision like, do we just make this a next-gen? Like, we pitched it as a PS4, Xbox One game. Do we make it a next-gen game only? Or do we make it only a Pro or, or Xbox One X and higher title? Uh, and I think that's a, an interesting thing that they're dealing with now. And they, based on that, purely on that rumor article, like, this might have just been a stopgap to give themselves some time to figure out whatever that strategy is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, so that's my thought, is that it'll be Cyberpunk a second time to accommodate for that. Corey Barlog, the, um, the director of God of War, kind of actually retweeted that article and commented on it and just said, every game in the, fi- in the final months of development doesn't run well. So is it that it's just normal development issues or is it that they really are having a legitimate problem and don't know how to get this game running on current systems, which would be surprising to me because I feel like that's something they would have ironed out considering they made Witcher 3. They know what the system's capable of. Um, I, don't, I really don't know. But again, like this game, it's so huge and massive. I wouldn't be surprised if it ran, you know, much smoother on more powerful hardware than the, the base models. Um, I, it would it would be, I think, a disaster for them if they just decided to make it a next gen game at this point, considering how adamant they are in the news. Like, no, there's no plans for next gen. Right. By the way, it's next gen only. Oh, man, the shit show that would happen. That game would have to be. <laughs> miraculously good which it might be to make up for that um but a little part of me also goes i would love for that game to be next gen <laughs> so right? like i'm fine with that um yeah so i was looking at the list of all the games that are coming out this year wikipedia if you just doesn't know has like it always has a gigantic list of every game coming out 
uh, in the year. And the last game on the list is like The Last of Us Part Two in May. And there's literally nothing else outside of like Cyberpunk and um, Avengers in September. There's nothing else in all of June and July. And I, I can't remember, were we talking about this on the Pixel Street podcast? With uh, maybe the, these consoles are, at least maybe the PS5 is going to come out in the summer. Because we know Xbox is coming out in the fall. But Sony oh, has. I feel like I remember said... that discussion. I don't think it was Pixel Street. I think it was sometime else, though. Okay, uh, I know we had the conversation at some point. I'm thinking maybe these next gen consoles are coming really early. In which case, I don't really think anything's going to get delayed. But it's just something I noticed. I was looking at at all the, at the list because like I don't know if anything's going to get delayed at this point. Anything that's in 2020 has kind of already been delayed to 2020. Right. So like I don't know if they're going to do it again. If they're going to delay anything, it's going to be delayed again. And yeah, I think Cyberpunk's probably number one on that list to get delayed again. Maybe Last of Us Part Two, but I don't see that. Um. But yeah, it's just I know this is a total side tangent and it isn't really related to your questions, right, Dusty? But maybe the PS5 is coming sooner than we think. Do you think so? You think it's as early as summer? I mean, because I feel like I feel like it's normal for end of January for us not to know what's coming E3 and beyond. I feel like that's pretty standard for most years that we don't have an You're, idea. Sh- sure, but I think we would st- we might not have like specific dates. But we still knew that like Fire Emblem, for example, was coming out in summer. We already knew that. Like there was like there were games that we knew were coming in that time frame at least. And this, there's nothing. There's nothing at all. There's literally a gap between May and September. Um. So I have no idea. And I think like even not talking about Cyberpunk, but even I think uh, Square Enix has mentioned that the Avengers is going to be cross generation. Because they're gonna, it's it's an ongoing uh, game of service. So of course, right. they're gonna carry it off the next generation. So, like maybe they don't mind being released after the console comes out. Who knows? And Cyberpunk is kind of like, well, we can risk it because people are gonna buy this game anyway. So we don't mind coming out out after the console comes out. Great games have come out after a generation technically has ended. It's not. It's God not of War impossible. Two released on PS2 after PS3 released. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's not unheard of. Um, I think it could happen. And another side of this, too, is thinking about the Switch. The Switch had their, like, in uh, 2016, they had their, hey, here's a trailer for it, but we're not talking about it for the rest of the year. That was, like, October 2016. And then January, they said, it's coming out in two months. And they just, it came out in two months. And Sony has made us aware that PS5 exists. They've done that kind of initial Switch trailer part already. They just need to really show off the box and tell us when it's coming and what's going to be on it. And they could easily do that in February and then say it's coming in June. And that's why we're not going to E3 because we need to prep for that launch as what opposed to if, prepping for man. E3. What if so, they release it like the week before E3 and just eat everyone's lunch? That would be honestly one of the greatest things ever. That would piss off in this so many games journalists who not only have to review the system and all the launch titles, but then also go to E3 <laughs> and cover all of that for 24 hours a day. <laughs> and think about how it would totally sw- um, pull the rug out from underneath Microsoft's feet. They're prepping to have this big E3 where they show off everything. And somebody's like, our console's already out. Yeah. You don't have to listen it's to the Xbox here. talk about it. You can actually go play a PS5. Yeah interesting maybe so dusty sorry i didn't answer your question at all but your question led me on that path so thank you for that question oh inspiration 
Great. If you would like to write in, go to Twitter and tweet at, at @respawnaimfire. We would love to hear your questions. We would love to hear about what you ate for lunch today, as long as it doesn't have nuts in it, because you have to be you have to be thinking about the public and their nut allergies. And we're going to wrap up today's episode with Game on Game Show. The Game on a Gaming Show. Where we play a game called Game on Game Show. Game, 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 game. I don't remember what that is anymore. I, I like, the last three weeks haven't gotten that right, but maybe it I'll go back and It sounds right to me. It's, it's not right. It's not. I know deep in my heart. <laughs> we're going to return to a segment we haven't done in a while called Now Flesh It Out. Now Flesh It Out. And we have five pairings of two different types of games. Two different game franchises or whatever they are. Um, and we have to try to brainstorm what that game might look like. If we were to mash up these two titles, what might that look like? <coughs> Hold on, I've got five pairs. Are you ready for number one? No. Great. We'll start with number two. Galaga <laughs> crossed with Farmville. <laughs> Farmville, if you're not familiar, is that farming simulator on Facebook. I already know exactly what this game is. Oh, it's you the do? inverse of Gal. I, just because I it just like you inspired me so much, it just immediately popped in my head. It's okay. the opposite of Galaga. You are controlling the the spaceships that are coming down the screen, okay. and you're farming them and making them in like a Farmville way. Like I need to make these ships so oh. I can send them down. And the better you get at that, the more you're going to overwhelm the your who would be the main player in the regular Galaga game. So you win by overwhelming that main player. So you're kind of like cultivating the clone pilots. That are going to be exactly. piloting the ships, and you're like raising them and like feeding them biomatter that's like just gel, and mm-hmm. and then you send them out to die. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, they don't know what's going to happen. Interesting. <laughs> I like that idea so much that I think that's just what I'm going to go with too. <laughs> <laughs> the only alternative would be like I don't know, you're just blowing apart cows in space. That also sounds like. Fun. <laughs> Why are all these cows in space? It doesn't matter. They're there. <laughs> no, just shoot them. They're on the fucking roof. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll deal with the body in the morning. <laughs> Throw it into the trees. <laughs> I, you're quoting Schitt's Creek? No, I'm quoting, I'm quoting season eight, episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. That's such a funny show. Of Portlandia. I cracked uh, up about it during game night a couple weeks ago, and then I rewatched, <laughs> rewatched it. It's the one where the the women and women first are in a cabin, and there's an infestation of horses everywhere. Oh, oh I remember that now. I haven't seen yeah. that episode, but I do know women and women's first. That's you probably need, one of the best you need to watch ongoing it. skits. You need to watch it. It's so good. Next up, <laughs> number one, Crazy Taxi crossed with Halo. <laughs> Here's the most boring version of that game possible. You are just a regular soldier in Halo. Mm-hmm. We're the mercenaries. Are they, are they mercenaries? Is it the Marines? Marines, I don't even yeah. know. It's the Marines, okay. And you're just in a warthog. And you just got to wait for Master Chief to like do his thing outside of a building. And then he comes out and you drive him to the next spot where he shoots stuff. You just wait in the car while he shoots stuff. So you just, like, <laughs> from this distance, you just you're see just stuff going on. Plane threes and... <laughs> exactly, yeah. I would, like to, I would play this as like a... Um... You pilot the infantry ships of the enemies, like all of the the grunts and things like that. And you're the you, when they fly in over top and they drop down like twenty on the battlefield at a time, and then they fly off. Like that's you. You're the person piloting that ship, and you've got to go pick up a bunch of grunts in one place. And you're like, "Fuck, Master Chief is headed to the library. We got to get all the flood to the <laughs> library. Got to go pick them up and deliver them in time so that 
you can fend off Master Chief. I think that would be a cool game. It'd be a very cool game. It's better, better than up. Halo Wars. Uh, right? Fuck that game. Just kidding. I've never played it. I'm not a strategy person. Rainbow Six Siege. <laughs> Wait, before you go on, I just, if they make this game, they have to give it the worst name ever, which would be Crazy <laughs> Halo. <laughs> <laughs> I just the developer say like we are so excited to bring to you Crazy Halo. We've been working on it for several years now. Crazy Halo, whole, and everything has googly eyes. Crazy yeah. Halo. Yes, please. <laughs> Rainbow Six Siege crossed with Overcooked. This is a, this is a tough. Okay, one. so this is a tough one. But ask yourself this. You and you're playing Overcooked. You're in the kitchen, but what's happening outside the kitchen? What's happening in the restaurant itself? Mm. Is this an area that might need to be protected? So you are playing Siege and regular multiplayer map, but the locate the secure location you have to secure is a restaurant. You have to make sure that no one eating their food gets a bad customer service experience by having some terrorists come in and shoot them. So you just got to like defend the restaurant. But you also okay. have to bring – you also have to be the waiter. You also have to bring the food that's been prepared in the kitchen to each guest at the same time. That sounds like hectic mayhem. It does. That a real cop would really do. I, I feel like a similar in a similar fashion, it is just the kitchen, not the rest of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Or anything. It's just the kitchen, and you're preparing the food. And whatever it is that you have to prepare this time attracts a certain type of enemy. So if you're making, like, I don't know, cheese fondue, then there are, like, giant rat people who are trying to break into the kitchen and get your cheese. (laughs) And so you've got to, like, all right, we've got to set all the rat traps. We've got to, like, board up the windows and all that kind of shit. We've got to have some people, like, constantly stirring the cheese so that it doesn't burn on the edges of the pan while some people are over there just, like, killing the rats once they're in the traps. I think that's it. Yeah. That's absolutely it. Yeah. yeah. Any kind of meat would be, like, zombies. and Yeah. Okay, that's but you're it. also and you're the cooks too, right? You're also the cooks. You're also making yes. all the food. Yes, yeah, so all five so, of you, and they're different. There are different operators. Some of them are like better at cooking certain things. Some of them are better mm-hmm. at trapping certain types of enemies. <laughs> so you'll basically have like as your characters, they'll have like sous chef, you know, the uh, <laughs> Debbie chef, like all the other stuff. Yes, um, and on top of that too, like you don't have actually utensils. What you do is like if you want to say. You know, stir the pot. You just put the barrel of your gun and stir like, in there. <laughs> like that's how it works. That's you got to do. Yep. Because you got to make sure your gun's always ready. So just pick up your cooking utensil as well. Got to cut something in half. Shoot it down the middle. <laughs> shoot it down the middle. Can you shoot these vegetables for me? I need to make a salad. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, The Witcher Three crossed with Spyro the Dragon. <laughs> A version of Spyro where I walk around the world going, man, this is really beautiful. Guess I'll never play any more of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. I want it to be like a a realistic, beautiful version of Spyro. Like you are like this realistic looking dragon. And you were going around hunting people. Like hunting dwarves that are trying to get your treasure and shit like that. And you were just going around just like eating people and just destroying them, leveling up your dragon. You learn all sorts of cool new fire techniques and you can like blow smoke rings and shit. And then it just turns into a vaping simulator and you just do different types of plumes. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. A realistic dragon vaping simulator. (laughs) 
It's revolutionary. There's never been a genre like it before. Yeah. The very first realistic dragon vaping simulator. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Remember, kids, vaping is bad. Don't vape. Don't vape. Don't do it. That's gross. Finally, oh no, I just wrote the same game twice. Well, I guess we. I guess we can still talk about it. Uh, number five: Fire Emblem Cross a Garbage Can. <laughs> i mean it's, it's literally the same thing twice but we can talk about how that might i don't know maybe oh, yeah. it like levels up the experience if you have two of them so yeah so here is exactly what this game's gonna look like yeah okay. so you have it's kind of like you know you have a, a grid map and you move your characters around that map they might have yeah. like swords or like axes or spears and when you attack the other enemies like if you have a sword that's going to be good against axes but if you have a spear that's going to be good against swords and then it's like just rock, like paper, you know, scissors. It's called, okay. yeah we could call it fire emblem dope dude what if there was like your character dies and it's like permanent like you can't get him back perfect let's put it yeah. let's put it in there oh and then let's make the series all about or the, the game all about having like three different houses and then let's also call it three houses and then put a fourth house in there and make everyone replay the whole game again to experience that dlc content yeah this sounds great yeah fucking nailed it dude fire emblem cross a garbage yeah. can <laughs> that's it for game on game show and that's it for our episode this week thank you so much for listening if you like what we do you can go to Respawn Aimfire. This is Patreon at patreon.com slash Respawn Aimfire. Got the order mixed up there of the names and this website and the jello and the pudding. Um, patreon.com slash Respawn Aimfire. <laughs> Give us $1 or more. Uh, don't acknowledge the, co the, the Cosby reference. $1 or more. You can play along with us on game nights once a week, on Thursday nights usually. You can influence what we play each month with our backlog accomplishment of Respawn and Friends game, or BARF. We did The Last Guardian for the month of January, which we are going to be talking about in a couple days. Uh, actually, we'll release them both the same day that this goes live, so Tuesday. And next month, the month of February, you all voted for, hold on, I assume you're looking it up, whatever it is right now, um, I think the it's February Barf game is. You, sh you don't need to drum because it's gonna take me a second to get there. Posts February Barf Banjo Kazooie Banjo Kazooie playable on the Nintendo sixty four Entertainment System or the Xbox One backwards compatibility or Xbox three sixty. Regular compatibility. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Game Pass. It's on Game. It is on Game Pass too. Cool. It's on Game Pass. Yeah. Here's my opportunity to finally thousand gamer score this. I played this once whenever I first got my Xbox One S. No, I played it back on Xbox 360 when I was borrowing Tom's 360. Um, and I did everything required for the thousand gamer score, but there were two jiggies in it that I got them in the game. And could no longer get them again, but they didn't register as gotten in the game. Oh. So I was too jiggy short. So this is my opportunity to 1,000 gamer score, which doesn't sound anywhere as cool as a platinum trophy, but uh, perfect. Banjo-Kazooie on your Xbox or on the Nintendo 64 or on the N64 Classic when it comes out this month, too. Just kidding. That's not real yet. <laughs> uh, and finally, if you're a patron, you get dope wallpapers, which should be coming out any day now as soon as I think of it and make it. And then finally, uh, finally, that's it. That's fucking it, everyone. Okay? What else do you want from us? Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're going to sign off tonight. Here's our usual sign off. Thanks again for listening. Here's our usual sign off. 
We haven't talked about me peeing recently, have we? I feel like it's been a while since I've had to pee. That'll be our sign-off tonight. I have to pee. <laughs> okay, I, I miss talking about you peeing. It's yeah. my favorite conversation. <laughs> Bye.